Good morning, good morning. We're going to be reading this morning, starting off with uh, Isaiah 40, 12 through 17. So if you would, please read with me. Isaiah 40, 12 through 17. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or marked off the heavens with the span of his hand? Who has gathered the dust of the earth in a measure, or weighed the mountains on a balance, and the hills on the scales? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord, or who gave him counsel? Who did he consult? Who gave him understanding and taught him the paths of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Look, the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are considered as a speck of dust on the scales. He lifts up the islands like fine dust. Lebanon's cedars are not enough for fuel or its animals enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are considered by him as empty nothingness. Amen. Amen. Nothing, nothing compares to our Lord. Would you stand to your feet? Let's sing together. Oh 
church. I want to thank you all for being here today. Uh, to our friends in the sound booth, I'm going to call a bit of an audible. I'm going to do the scripture reading before the prayer, so if you can go ahead and call that up. Um, and then we, I'll apologize during our next elders meeting for me messing things up. 
Uh, but uh, if you're here today, I want to remind those of you that are with us often that we exist to help you and those in the neighborhoods and the friends around us take their next step with Christ. For some of you, that might be the first step. That might be repenting of sin and turning to Christ and trusting Him as Lord and Savior. might be following Him in baptism. It might be, for those of you who have matured in the faith to some degree, taking another step with Christ and being more faithful, going out into the highways and the byways and calling others to come to know the Lord that you love. So, I, I want to take a minute to just praise the Lord for the veterans that are with us. So, if you are a veteran and have served, would you please stand, or if you're already standing, please raise your hand, and we just want to thank the Lord for their service. And, and it's for that reason that I wanted to pull up the scripture ahead of the prayer, so we could look at the scripture today. It's John 19, 28 through 30. John 19, 28 through 30. And so Jesus, from the cross... He says there in verse 28, After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. And a jar full of sour wine was sitting there. So they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch, and they held it up to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And the reason I wanted to share that right after the veterans is because those veterans have been trained that during wartime, there may be a period after the war has officially ended where those that are in the war don't know. And there is a systematic telling of the communities, house by house, road by road, hey, it's over. It's over. It is finished. And in the same way as Christ said, it is finished, was a proclamation. It is finished. The war is over. But that's when our work begins. That is the systematic going house by house, road by road, friend by friend, co-worker by co-worker, to let them know Christ has died for you. Christ has died for me. And so as, as we honor our veterans and are thankful to God for their sacrifice, we are even so more thankful for the sacrifice that Christ has done for us. And so it's with that in mind, I, I want us to, to pray together. Let us pray. Lord, we, we praise you. We praise you and thank you for the, the sacrifice that, that those among us have given, many of them signing away, signing away their lives, not knowing what would come of them, uh, but doing so willingly to serve their fellow man. And Lord, we, we thank you even more for Christ signing away his life for us. And God, I, I pray for this church as, as we engage in the kingdom work of going house by house, as we go road by road, as we go neighbor by neighbor, friend by friend, family member by family member, to tell them it is finished, Lord, that you would be with us, that you would grant us a desire to practice joyful hospitality. 
that we would open up our homes, our hearts, our families to those neighbors, those friends, those folks that do not know you and show them the love of Christ. Lord, I'm grateful for Chris and Rhonda Richards and, and the work that they're doing in Argentina. I pray, God, that you would continue to bless their ministry. We thank you for the divine appointment that they had this week with someone that was engaged in their social media plan. Lord, I pray that you would save that person, that you would start to show your presence and your power amongst their work down there. And God, I, I thank you for your, your providential bringing together of this group of people to send them out into the highways and the byways to let those around us know that it is finished Lord I pray for the seats in this room right now that are empty I pray God for the, the, the folks that will one day sit in those seats I pray for the workers that you will send to us to go out with us to tell others that it is finished Lord forgive me where I have not lived a sacrificial life the way that you've called me to live where I've gotten in my own way, gotten in my own head and not shared the gospel with those that you have put before me God I thank you for your, your faithfulness your forgiveness Lord and you're bringing about many in the harvest to go out with me that when I fall others may not fall you are ever working, building your church. So God, I, I pray that as, as, as we meditate on this truth today, that it is finished, that we would be grateful that you have already won the battle and that it is just our job to let the locals know. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing that story together.
he wants to do in this play.
go. There we go. Good morning. Turn in your copy of God's Word or into your devices to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. If you want to use the Pew Bible that's in front of you, it's page 1042. 1042. We're continuing our series in Philippians. We've been walking through and seeing how joy of the Christian life, that it's possible, that's possible through suffering, through trial, it's possible in how we live together, it's possible in how we look to pursue Jesus. Today we're going to look at the joy of pursuing Christian maturity. We're going to look at how Paul speaks to that, how he runs the race towards it, and how we are challenged to run with him. Let's begin in verse 12. Not that I have already reached the goal, or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue, pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And I, if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me brothers and sisters and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us for I have often told you and now say again with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ their end is destruction their God is their stomach their glory is in their shame they are focused on earthly things but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that his, enables him to subject everything to himself. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, as we have sung today, do what you want in us. Do what you want in us, but have us join you in growing to spiritual maturity. Lord, I pray as we hear these words today, maybe we've read this text before, and maybe we've, we've studied it in our, in our devotions or, or in our D group, but Lord, I pray today as it is proclaimed here, that Lord, that we would hear it, that Lord, we would be changed by it, and now, Lord, that we would leave here obeying it. We'd ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's 543.7 miles between Melbourne, Australia, to Sydney, Australia. It's one of the most grueling marathons the world knows. In 1983, 150 world-class world athletes joined together for the inaugural run from Sydney to Melbourne. This is one where that you run through the night, through the day, that you run with all your might. 
Can you imagine the lineup of all these athletes who have trained their bodies, prepared, dressed to the nines with the latest running shoes, hydrated up, and up walks a 61-year-old potato farmer with no teeth and wearing galoshes. This is Cliff Young. Cliff Young entered the race, and everyone around him, from the media to the spectators to the runners, say, what in the world? This has to be a joke that this person just, maybe he thought there was a farmer's market going around, and he showed up to the wrong line and ended up in this marathon, this, this ultra-marathon. Well, sure enough, it wasn't. Cliff planned to run all along. And believe it or not, five days, 15 hours, and four minutes later, who came in first? Cliff. Cliff beat the next best runner by nine hours and 56 minutes, trimming any record of that type of marathon by even days. You see, how did he happen? Well, most marathon runners in this way have a strategy. What was the strategy? Run 18 hours, sleep six hours. Run 18 hours, sleep six hours. But not Cliff. Cliff ran all night, all day. What they didn't know was he was also a cattle farmer, and he says he spent many nights staying up, keeping his cattle together over the hills and in the pastures and running around, almost acting as his own sheepdog or, or cattle dog to make sure that he kept around. As a matter of fact, this amazing way and amazing story of Cliff Young, his little shuffle has now been, uh, has been studied and found to be something that people mimic. But the key was, when everybody else stopped, Cliff kept on going. That is the key to the Christian life, brothers and sisters, that we run with endurance day and night, night and day. See, the Christian life is not a hundred-yard dash. It's a marathon. Christians were not supposed to be saved, run quickly, and burn out, but instead, we're, we're made that we might run with endurance growing more and more like the likeness of Jesus into spiritual maturity until that we are glorified through our salvation in heaven one day. Every Christian knows that it, the running the race is long. But the key the scriptures tell us is to run with endurance, growing in Christ. Paul writes this letter and writes here in this text that every Christian should look closely, inspiring and instructive for a path of spiritual maturity. He builds off what we read last week in verse 10 through 11. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Paul paints a picture of a growing Christian with a goal of knowing Christ and being transformed by him and one day being raised by his resurrection power. And we see this as the joy of our life, growing and growing and looking more like Jesus. As a matter of fact, this is really the goal of our church, our, our 
uh, purpose verse, our mission verse as a church is Colossians 1.28. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. You see, as we grow in maturity, on the one hand, there's a personal commitment that we have with effort and determination. But on the other hand, it's a life resting on the great certainties of the cross of Jesus and in coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our joy as a Christian is that we're running the race of life, growing in Christ, becoming more like him, found in him, that one day that we will meet him face to face and he says, well done my good and faithful servant. Friends, this is joy. This is life of grace and conviction. And in these verses, we see the secret or the growth of spiritual maturity or the joy that comes as we seek maturity in Christ. Three truths. If you're taking notes on the bulletin or in your phones, number one, the joy of Christian maturity comes when you press toward it the joy of christian maturity comes when you press toward it verse 12 not that i've already reached the goal or am already perfect but i make every effort to take hold of it because i also have been taken hold of by christ jesus brothers and sisters i do not consider to have taken hold of it but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus therefore let all of us who are mature think this way and if you think differently about anything God will reveal this also to you many Christians can identify this first point I've not already reached the goal. <laughs> we all hear that. I'm not perfect. Thank you, Paul. Neither am I. None of us are. Check. But Christians often use this idea, we're not perfect, to be complacent. And that's not the case for the Apostle Paul. Even though he knows he isn't perfect, that doesn't mean he's not exerting passion to grow in his knowledge of his Savior. The verb in verse 12 and 14 is the exact same word in the Greek. It is translated in the CSB, make every effort, in verse 14, pursue. This word is very similar. You can see the idea here that, 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 that you are to run or flee or catch a person or thing. It's like the sprinter of a race. You can tell that when they see this finish line, they're pumping and going for everything that they're worth. And Paul's all-out pur purpose and pursuit is Christ. This is not a man who's coasting. He isn't becoming a spectator. He isn't loafing. He is running hard after the prize. And what is the prize? It's Jesus himself. Knowing more of him. Being more like him. Gaining Christ and ultimately the reward of heaven. You see, the, Paul wants to know Christ more and more. And in knowing him more, he will become more like him. This pursuit is a lifetime pursuit of Paul using this athletic imagery to convey 
his passion for Jesus. Paul has used this elsewhere. He uses it in Corinthians, and the writer of Hebrews also does. But in Corinthians, Paul rightfully connects this running with maturity. He says, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to receive the prize. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do not receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one who's beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself not might not be disqualified here what's Paul saying Paul is saying I am running with a purpose I'm running for the good of myself I'm running for my maturity so that I might not be disqualified brother sister if you want to grow in maturity you need to have passion and discipline in pursuing Christ now earning is not a word we use as Christians we don't earn our faith. We can't earn our faith. We, because of our sin, are disqualified. We cannot do anything to receive salvation on our own. We need Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection so that we might be saved. Maybe a better word for us is effort. Effort is a good word because it is the result of a new creation that we are the new creature, the one that God has enabled us with the Holy Spirit, the new person that longs for the thing of God, not for the things of the world. It is in this that we pursue holiness in this life by God's power. The joy of growing in Christ means that we grow in holiness, pleasing God, making more choices in line with God's will, and helping others to avoid sin. Isn't that really joyous don't we want to see more of christ in us isn't it exciting when you know that there was a sin you've struggled with and over time you realize realize christ has freed you from it or maybe in your own walk with jesus you're producing better spiritual fruit because you look and you said you know at one point i really wasn't a very patient person I'm really not that patient now, but you should have seen me a long time ago. Or maybe when something bad happens, when you know that everything is going bad, that you have the spirit of peace in you, that you can uh, approach those things, not when you used to be, everything's out of control, there is no hope. You have a peace that resides in you. Friends, that is joy that we're growing to be more and more like Jesus, that we face living our everyday lives in a way and in a power not of our own. You know, none of us in our lives ever, ever desired to remain in training wheels. None of us ever desired to continue to be a student driver. What was our goal? Our goal was to get these training wheels off or to get mom or dad out of the car so I can drive wherever I want to. None of us had the goal of staying still. Do you remember the time that you got to drive to the first place that you wanted to by yourself? 
Or maybe do you remember the, the face of your child when they took off the training wheels and they were able to go on the bike by themselves? That was pure joy. Unfortunately, we as Christians have taken the opposite desire in our life. We've stayed okay being in training wheels or not growing or not maturing. But friends, Paul says, run, go, grow. Grow in maturity, strive. That means making a choice to run, taking off weight that hinders, forgetting what is behind you, sins. Take away or put aside people that could distract you. Make choices that will help you grow. Maybe those choices are less sleep or less streaming of another movie or less Xbox time so that you can spend time in God's word or prayer or being in church every Sunday even when it doesn't fit your schedule or being in life group or D group all of these things are things that we actively strive to make a priority in our life why? so that we grow to be more like Jesus let me ask you this this morning what one change would you make in order to pursue Christ, the thing that matters most? What's the one thing that you need to change? Maybe in a negatively stated, what sin or habit do you need to throw off so that you can more passionately grow and follow and strive to run the race better? Or maybe more positively, positively, what do you need to begin doing that you're not doing right now that would allow you to run the race for Christ? Friends, let's don't underestimate the power of making one change. Today, we, you might be introspective, the Holy Spirit, very discouraged where you are with your walk with Jesus. But let me encourage you, one step is a huge step one walk of obedience, one step of obedience, one change can change your life forever. Doing nothing is not in the cards and it's certainly not in the text. Paul tells us that we must run the race. Secondly, we see here the joy of Christian maturity is possible because of Christ. The joy of Christian maturity is possible because of Christ. Although Paul's eyes were focused forward towards the finish line and the future, the confidence that he would reach the goal is grounded in the grace he already received in Jesus. The past acts of God's sovereign mercy and his work through Christ on the cross has what set Paul's feet flying from the starting blocks years before. Look at how Paul speaks of this. In, in, the, in the text, we see that Paul said that his heart was set on the race, that his ability to do this was because Christ has a hold of him and the grace that he has received. And this grace appears twice in our text. First, in verse 12, Paul uses this wonderful wordplay in the Greek that actually the CSB does a great job helping us see. In verse 12, he says, not that I've reached for the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it. Why? Because I have been taken hold of by Christ. You see that? 
He wants to hold on. He wants to grab it and hold on to it because he was first held on to and grabbed by Jesus. Paul must have on his mind when he was on the Damascus road, he was one who were putting Christian to death. He was the law keeper of all law keepers and he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and it changed his life forever. He said he realized it was not something he did, but by grace, Jesus came, introduced himself, and he changed his life and race forever. Paul understands the reason why he's even in the race to begin with is because of Jesus. And he knows that he has success in the future. Why? Because of Jesus. We see that even though Paul is striving to complete the race in his day to receive maybe the, the, uh, the uh, gold medal in his day was the olive wreath at the finish line, his confidence of victory is grounded in the fact that Jesus has already won, that Jesus is the one who's completed the race and that by his resurrection power will give him victory. But secondly, Paul's second reference to grace that launched him into the race was found in the expression in verse 14 when he says I pursue, pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus this is the view of the upward cause referring to the, maybe the award ceremony to come up on the victor stand but Paul is saying that this upward call that I've received was the sovereign summons that God gave him in the gospel. That Christ saved him and changed him and brought him out of the pit and remembered that Paul remembers that his victory is because Jesus has the victory. And it's only because Jesus Christ has taken a hold of it that we even want to make the effort to grab it. It's only because God has taken hold of us that we can make the effort. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you, as you're thinking of maturing and walking in faith, that we need to regularly be reveling, marveling, boasting in the work of Jesus. To be reminded that it is this reward, this passion, this prize, this, this race is because Christ has seized you and made it possible for you to run. Brothers and sisters, we must be reminded this, this interwoven work of maturity that Christ has laid hold of us, that we also, with our effort, lay a hold of him. You know, it's a picture. I remember uh, one time, one of my children, we were in the ocean. And you know, sometimes it can be just, you know, just little little waves come in and little waves and then all of a sudden boom one of those that just knocks you off your feet and I remember looking and thankfully I just you know stayed just a couple of steps away but it kind of knocked us both over like me knocked me out of my feet and knocked the, the kid I can't remember who it was or I'm not going to na name their name uh, they're, they're underneath the water and I jump and leap and grab and pull them out of the water and at that moment, I don't know who's holding on to tighter. Me holding on to them or them holding on to me. Brother and sister, that's that striving and effort that Jesus Christ has laid a hold of us that we are laying hold of him. Christian maturity involves loving the Savior. 
remembering that we have been delivered out of death and destruction because Jesus has rescued us. And in turn, we embrace him as our glorious, gracious Savior. Christian maturity involves loving the Savior. Sinclair Ferguson, great writer, theologian, observed this. The Christian life is not a brief sprint. It's a marathon race over a lifelong course. In it, there is much difficult terrain to be covered. Paul knew that Christ took hold of him on the Damascus Road. That hold is the reason for our spiritual security too. We, as, we will persevere to the end of the race because he keeps us going. This is simply the teaching of Jesus. Those who are called are kept. My sheep listen to my voice. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand, John 10, 27 through 28. Brothers and sisters, this is our reminder. This is the reminder that we can keep going knowing that we have the power of Christ in us. Have you seen such a Savior as this? We sang, hallelujah, what a Savior. That he gave his life for rebels against him. That he went to the cross and died and went to the grave. And three days later, being raised, giving victory over death and over sin. That those who believe in him and repent will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus, this Savior, does this for his enemies. And Jesus, this Savior, sustains us. There is no other Savior, no other person that gives himself for his enemies, but also empowers them to live for, them, for him. This Savior is someone who is amazing. If you're here today, friend, by invitation from someone, a family member or a friend or a neighbor, you've just happened upon us online one day and you've, you've been listening to this Savior, you, I hope that you see what an amazing Savior it is. That this Savior loves you. And that by repentance and believing, you too can be in the race for Christ. And one day, by the power of his resurrection, that you will receive the goal of your salvation, your glorified status in heaven with God. Brother or sister, if you've not trusted in Christ, would you see me after church today? Would you see one of our elders? Would you turn to a Christian friend? Would you turn to them and say, ask me how, please tell me how I can know this Jesus. You will never be disappointed that you began the race with Jesus. Paul reminds us in the grace from Jesus that we receive the power to run towards the goal and all fullness of joy can be found in Christ. So finally, number three, the joy of the Christian life, maturity will be complete when we reach our glorious future. The joy of Christian maturity will be complete when we reach our glorious future future verse 20 says but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await for a savior from there the lord jesus christ he will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body 
by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Paul concludes by reminding the church of the heavenly mindset that we should possess. People walking and growing maturity is because we know the goal and the reward that is ahead of us. That, that these groanings that we have wanting Christ to return, the groanings that we have wanting to be home in heaven with him reminds us that we have a citizenship in heaven that we should strive to live as one who is called there. You know, Philippi was a Roman colony. It was known as Little Rome. There was a lot of things about the city and the practices that people would walk around and say, this reminds me of Rome. When you see people who are Christians who are living a life like Jesus, there should be a feeling around those who are striving for maturity in Christ. Boy, this must be a taste of heaven. When Christians are taking care of the vulnerable, caring for orphans, doing the good and right and true things, giving to the poor, speaking edifying words to one another, outdoing one another, outdoing one another and showing honor, showing no partiality, putting the needs of others ahead of their own, we should say, boy, this reminds me of heaven. We should be giving the world a glimpse of the coming future. We could show them what it is to have a true king and what the true kingdom is like. People should look at the words and deeds of believers and say, you aren't from around here, are you? You could tell them you're right. My citizenship is in heaven. I'm just passing through. Our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven entitles us to a glorious future, the power of Christ that guarantees us a glorious future, and the body of Christ's exaltation is the template and pattern of our glorious future, that this pain-filled, decaying body one stained and marred by sin, one that is hindered by the flesh, one that as we want to be more like Jesus, know that we will never get there fully. We will receive our resurrected bodies from Jesus and we will be like him. How wonderful this is for us. Charles Spurgeon observed, how intimately is the whole of our life interwoven with the life of Christ. His first coming has been to us salvation, and we are delivered from the wrath of God through him. We live because he lives, and never is our life more joyous than when we look most steadily to him. The completion of our salvation is the deliverance of our body from the bondage of corruption and the raising of our dust to a glorious immortality that is also wrapped up in the personal resurrection and quickening power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, that is our hope. That is our future. That Jesus will resurrect us and give us a glorified body. You know, a friend of mine was going through an awful ordeal recently, and I texted her to just say, hey, I hate that you're going through this. I hate that you're going through this horrible thing. I'm praying for you. And she responded this way, thanks, the tomb is empty. Everything else is just small stuff. 
Brothers and sisters, what a heavenly mindset that we must have. Perhaps, maybe you're familiar with the movie Chariots of Fire or the book. It's about two runners in the 1924 Olympics, one being Eric Liddell, a Christian. And one of the things that he was quoted most often that you've ever heard from him is he says, I believe that God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Paul, too, felt the pleasure and joy of running for a prize, and he commends us to do the same. Eric Liddell would later serve to be on the mission field, running for something greater than gold. And as you run for the prize, may you feel God's joy, too. So, brother and sister, I ask you today, is God right now revealing to you an apathetic attitude towards your Christian life? Is it possible that you've become slack in your sanctification? Have you become undisciplined in your Bible reading and study? Have you become careless in your prayer life? Have you become half-hearted in your witnessing for Jesus Christ? Does there need to be an adjustment for you to run the race? If God would reveal this to you, will you be quick to change, to speed up once more in your pursuit of the prize? Increasing Christ's likeness until the day we cross the finish line into Christ's presence is too great a prize for us to slip. If you are slowing or strolling or even sitting down in the middle of the road, brother and sister, stand up and start running. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this reminder from your word. And Lord, we are thankful for the gift that we have received in Jesus. And because of it, we run the race. We seek the prize. We want to glorify himself in our bodies until we're glorified in heaven. May we run. I pray, Lord, even in my own life, where I know that I need to run, help me run and not grow weary. Help me run and not be lazy. Help me run for you. And Christ, we pray this morning that if there's someone that needs you, that you would break through the stone heart that they have. Give them a, stone, a heart of flesh that they might love you and seek the prize you have died for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And at the end of our race, we stand around the throne of Christ and we give him all the glory. Would you stand to your feet and let's do that together. Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive, unless the Lord does raise the house, it may its builders cry. Give him all the glory to you who boast. To you who boast
Amen. Let's watch this video together. Good morning, church. I'm excited to say that as of today, we have eight confirmed people for our team headed to London in June. I'm also excited to say that we have yet another opportunity to be a part of what God is doing across the globe next year, this time in Buenos Aires, Argentina. If you're new to HBC, we sent a family of our own to Buenos Aires through the International Mission Board three years ago. This spring, I hope to go visit the Richards to encourage them to get a better sense of how we can be praying and come alongside them, and possibly to help with some manual labor around the building of a local church in their area. I would love to have two or three people to come with me. If you feel the Lord leading you toward this trip, the dates are April 5th through 12th, and the cost will be $2,300. We need to begin planning very soon, so if you're interested, please let me know by November the 26th. I would encourage all of us to pray and offer God your year in 2024, that he might send you on one of our mission trips. God bless. All right. Sorry, <laughs> that music got me tickled for some reason. I don't know why. I like that. I liked it. That do, 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 do. Okay, so I was going to do a little dance number here for a second, uh, which I won't. Uh, if you would, uh, we hope to remind you, if you're a guest here this morning, we hope that you feel connected and you have connected with someone else, but we hope if you filled out the Connect card, that's an uh, uh, opportunity to do that is the QR code that is in the pew in front of you. If you don't, can't do electronically, there, you can get one at the Next Steps desk. But we hope that you fill that out. So after the service, you go to the Next Steps desk, if this is your first time with us, to get a gift from us today. We want to connect with you. Also, this gives us an opportunity uh, to connect you with a life group or a D group or another way to grow in Christ. So please do that this morning. Uh, also, in just a minute, we'll be taking up an offering, so you can do that also with a QR code there on the pew in front of you. It'll be on the screen here in just a minute. And uh, uh, you can participate also uh, by giving physically as we pass the plates. A couple quick reminders as we finish up our service. Today um, is uh, the deadline for you to sign up to donate food or to volunteer for our Bayouac Thanksgiving luncheon, which is the Monday, November 20th. So uh, please go across the hallway, look at the list, and see if there's something that you can donate. Some of it that you can prepare ahead of time, some of it you just need to buy, and they will prepare that day. Please go over today, today, and do that so that they can prepare if there's something else that they need to buy between now and next week. So we hope that you'll do that before you leave. Also, uh, next week is our Thanksgiving luncheon. To, uh, is that right, next week? Yeah, okay, thank you. It is our annual Thanksgiving luncheon. We're all, you're all invited to come. Please bring a side dish and a dessert to share. We'll provide the turkey, hams, and rolls. It's a great time of fellowship, a great morning. We'll have our Lord's Supper together. Uh, it's always a wonderful time for us and the life of the church. Today is an opportunity to participate in All In for the Gospel at Every Home. There are three teams that you can participate in, child care, prayer, or visit teams. Uh, we hope that you would come if you've never visited before but would like to. Today is the day to do so. If you'd like to, you could come and pray for the teams as they go out or provide child care for people who come for their kids. If you come today, it's four to six. This is the last one of the year. Uh, so we're going to be kind of uh, 
curtailing that because of the weather and many different things throughout the holidays. So this is the last Gospel to Every Home of 2023, so we hope that you come as we try to reach people for Jesus in our neighborhoods uh, here around the church. Well, as is our time for offering, we many of the things that we do, like our mission trip to Argentina, supporting our missionaries around the world, our Thanksgiving meals, our Bayouac meals, all of these things are supported by cheerfully and obediently giving to Christ's cause. So as we do that, this is an act of worship pouring out for what Christ has done for us. So as we do that, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to give to your uh, kingdom and your kingdom uh, opportunities and missions. And we pray, Lord, this morning that it would be an opportunity of worship for us because you have provided, because you have given, because you cheerfully have given us the example to follow and the call of obedience to give, that we would do so in an act of worship so that you, it might be pleasing to you. As we gather together, we ask that you bless as we give, but also multiply the gift so that it can do more work for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 